This fall, in the evening services throughout the month of October, Together in Christ is making available to you four sermons from up-and-coming preachers and teachers from our membership here at Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For the last couple of years, these men have been working to grow their preaching and teaching skills through weekly classes and opportunities to preach to our congregation. This opportunity is given to these men in order for them to put into practice what they are learning and then be encouraged, edified, and sometimes corrected and reproved by our congregation. The following message by Cameron Bitzer is brought to you by Together in Christ. I've only pre well, this will be my second time preaching. And just after the first time, I had found out that at least I share some sympathy with Pastor Tim and other pastors who understand that they are preaching the word and they have the care of souls in their hands and this is a very stressful thing. But in order to lighten the mood, um, I wish that was all I had to worry about is caring for your souls, but um, in learning how to preach, I also have to worry about the time and um, in light of bearing burdens as we heard this morning, I thank you guys for bearing with me last time for 50 minutes. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I got my eyes on the clock, so hopefully I can... Um, Maybe you guys can practice some fruit of the patience and uh, bear with me as I learn to preach in a timely manner. So we're going to go ahead and start. Um, this, the text is up there. If you guys can turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to be in verses 12 through 23. And your Bibles will have um, headings over sections of Scripture. Um, for example, if you were to look above verse 18, it would probably tell you that that's the section where Jesus calls the first disciples. But when God inspired the authors of the books of Scripture to write them, um, those titles were not God-breathed, so um, I'm not exactly following those. We're going to be in verses 12 through 23. I'm going to go ahead and read that. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And, those, and for those who's dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from that there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Bow with me as we pray. 
Father, your word is sweet to our souls. God, your word, your word is, is good to transform us. God, as, if we've, if we've, as we've heard in your word, we are sinners, God. We, we have faults. But God, you are gracious towards us. And God, as we come to you, I pray that this evening we'd be honest with ourselves. God, knowing our faults, knowing the tendencies of our flesh to not live in obedience to your commands, but to live for ourselves. And I pray that you would be gracious towards us. And God, that you would transform us more into the likeness of your son for your glory. Fill us with your spirit, God, and empower us to live according to the commands and thank you for your grace, even when we fall short. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So in essence, this text is, if you were to take a course, it would basically be Discipleship 101. Um, it, was, it was a couple years ago, we had a classroom meeting in the back on, I think it was Sunday nights. Um, it, it was, uh, we were going through a book called Real Life Discipleship, and it focused on this verse, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, so in essence, this, this verse is defining a call to discipleship. It's a disciple is a learner. Um, a disciple is a pupil. There's many terms we can use. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. And so something that should stand out to us in this passage, I think, um, and in relation to our own lives, I think we'll see how we fall short. But we see how the disciples, when called by Christ to, to follow him, um, the book that we had went through referenced the following them is having a knowledge of Christ. Um, when, we, when we follow Christ, we ought to know who he is. Um, you, if you don't know who Christ is, you can't follow him, in essence. Um, Jesus says, and I will make you. Um, so in essence, a disciple is being changed by Christ. Uh, that's utterly important in the life of a disciple. And then I will make you fishers of men. So the end there, fishers of men, a disciple, the book would say, was committed to the mission of Christ. And it's vital as we import, understand the importance of these things. And we see that in the case of these disciples, we have Peter his brother, and then the sons of Zebedee, uh, they immediately left everything. I mean, their, their livelihood, they immediately abandoned that. Not, um, I'll get to that in a second, but they, what I see there is an urgency and importance for discipleship. And if you guys have had your ears open, you will have heard um, our pastors here talk about how we have a need for discipleship in the church. Our church is desperate for discipleship. And so I hope that as we examine a few, what I think are qualities of disciples uh, in this passage, and I'm going to use other supporting passages, um, I hope this is going to encourage some importance, um, some urgency in our hearts and in our minds to pursue discipleship. So please, I know I'm young, um, so don't close your ears off to me, but if I'm preaching the word correctly, I pray that by the power of the spirit, you would be compelled to pursue discipleship, to pursue following Christ and being committed to his mission. 
And so our church desperately needs discipleship. That's why we're hiring a discipleship pastor. We, we want to be committed to this because it's vitally important. And so I'm going to examine a few qualities of a disciple um, in this passage that I think uh, will do that for us. And so the first quality I think that I see is, and this is why I read most of the passages, um, the disciple is going to be kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. That's the first quality. Um, this is a qu- quality that a disciple shares with Jesus because we can see that right before and right after Jesus calls the disciples, he himself says things like this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then following, he went on proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And so I think it's important for us to, to understand what exactly is, is the kingdom. We need to understand that language. And that should affect and maybe motivate us to pursue discipleship. And when I say discipleship, I mean making other disciples, fishing for men. And so what is this kingdom language? Uh, There's a prophecy from Isaiah chapter nine, verses two through seven. Um, Many of you are gonna be familiar with this. It's the passage where unto us a child is born. Um, It's this prophecy of Christ. It's beautiful and it's sweet to us. We see uh, the names given to him and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Christ's kingdom will have no end. Um, That's something very important that we need to understand about our Lord Jesus is that he is king. And if you can turn with me to Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 through 14, and this is going to help us understand why Christ was proclaiming the kingdom, why he was proclaiming a gospel of the kingdom and why in light of proclaiming that he was gathering men with himself to equip them to go into the world to make disciples. Jesus wanted his, the people who followed him, he wanted them to be changed in the likeness of himself. He wanted them to go into the world and to make disciples. And so read with me in Jan, Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 through 14. This is what is said. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the cloud of heaven, there came one like a son of man And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so when when we're talking about the gospel, First thing that comes to our mind is Jesus died for my sins. That's good news. Penalty's been paid. I, I'm no longer under condemnation. I've, I've been freed from the wrath of God. Christ took that on the cross. I'm, I'm no longer an enemy of his. He's, he's been raised from the dead. I've been justified before God. I'm no longer in my sins. 
but I can stand before God in righteousness because he has been raised from the dead and I've received the Holy Spirit. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, when, he, when he's giving the message of the gospel, the clear message, he doesn't end at that. He goes on to talk about how Christ has been ascended into heaven and how he rules and how he reigns. That is going on right now as we speak. Christ reigns. And that, that, that's a gospel of the kingdom that everything will be brought right one day. Everything will be brought right. He, he will rule in righteousness. One, one day all of our suffering will be gone. Not only has he died for our sins, which is a very contrary example of a king that we have in our mind today. Um, not only has he done that, but he, he proclaimed this kingdom in light of going to make disciples. He, he proclaimed this kingdom in light of bringing others because that kingdom does not include only people who look just like us. It includes people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so in order for, well, I mean, we understand the context, Christ is in Galilee right now. And so if he was wanting to send people to fulfill this prophecy, he has to equip people to go fish for men. And so that, that, that's a kingdom that is good, that, that is good news. It, it helps us have urgency because we understand that if Christ wants all these people into his kingdom, if he wants all of them to be found in him, we're gonna go and we're gonna proclaim the gospel. And so Christ is king. And he even commanded at the end of Matthew in chapter 28 that he wanted his disciples to go into all the world. You know, we see the fulfillment of that throughout the book of Matthew. He wanted his disciples to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And that's something that our Lord commands, so we should be urgent to do so. An urgency because of, turn with me to John chapter 18, verse 33 through 38. I'm gonna have a lot of, reference text, support text, because that's important. In John chapter 18, verse 33 through 38, it says this, so Pilate entered his headquarters and again, Jesus said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered him, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered him, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would not have been, my servants would have been fighting. But I, that I might be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Listen to what he says there. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And so as we, as we look, at the, look at the example of these disciples literally leaving their lives to follow after Jesus, to be committed to this mission of making disciples. Our kingdom is not of this world. 
So the logical conclusion we come to is, is a materialistic world worldview that some of us often have, we would say that's outright crazy that the disciples would just abandon everything to follow Jesus. Well, well, they did, and, and they did so to proclaim the truth. It's our job, too, to go into all the world to proclaim the truth, and we can have confidence that if anyone is of the truth, they will hear the voice of Christ, and they will follow after him. That frees you from a lot of worry in your discipleship, trust me. But this isn't necessarily saying that you, that Christ is asking the same thing of you. I hope you understand that. He's not asking you to quit your jobs right now to be committed to discipleship. That's something I think that they had to do because, well, Jesus was physically with them at the time. So they really didn't have another choice. If they were gonna follow him, they literally had to follow him. But we have much more freedom now. We have the Holy Spirit, you know? So we, 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 that's not necessarily what he's calling us to do. So don't get that idea. And so a second quality, moving on. A disciple knows where he is going. A disciple knows where he is going. And you can see this in the setting of what's happening in this passage. Uh, There's a prophecy fulfilled. Matthew is full of prophecies of the Old Testament being fulfilled in Christ. And we, we have that one from Isaiah chapter nine that I had read. where the, the, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. A disciple knows where he is going. Um, the setting is that Christ has come into the world and, and he is the light. As believers, we, we have Christ, we have the, the light of the world. I mean, you can testify to this in your own lives. I know that I can, that at one point I had I didn't have this knowledge of Christ. And I, I sort of walked through the world. I walked through living life without the knowledge of Christ. And I wasn't necessarily miserable. I just didn't know where I was going. I didn't have the knowledge of, of eternal things. I, I didn't know the kingdom of God, but it, it's this picture of someone walking in darkness but when the truth is there, when Christ is there, we can see as we ought to. And so I'm gonna read a couple passages that I think describe this well for us. Um, the first one is John chapter eight, verse 12. You don't necessarily have to turn there. I'll read this for you. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus desires people to have life in him. I hope you understand that when the picture in scripture of darkness is given, it's referring to death. Our, our, this, isn't such, this isn't only a picture for Zebulun and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, Naphtali. It's not, only, it's not only a picture for that, it's a picture for the entire world. It's a land of darkness. But John tells us in the beginning of his gospel that the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We, we, have a, we have a light, we have a light and the darkness has not overcome it. And in John chapter 12, verse 35 through 36, this is what Jesus said. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. 
Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. And so as believers in God, we, we, have a, we have not done this on our own. We know that we were walking in darkness and we didn't know where we were going. Another picture of the, this is us being dead in our trespasses and being made alive by Christ. As we're walking in darkness, it doesn't make sense that we would be able to see, we would be able to find our way towards God. That, that only comes through Christ, who is the light of the world. And, and so as we're trying to understand and to equip ourselves with this sense of urgency for discipleship, it helps to understand that the people in the world without Christ are walking in darkness. Okay, you guys have many loved ones. You have many friends. Some of you even here are walking in darkness. And those people do not know where they're going. They don't. They do not know where they're going. But we, we know where they're going because we came from that place. Colossians 1, 13 through 14, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. My guess is, is that before you guys came to Christ, you probably didn't take sin that seriously, right? No? The people who are walking in darkness and the lives around you, they probably don't take sin that seriously. And I'm not saying anyone who doesn't take sin seriously is not a Christian. I'm saying specifically those who are walking in darkness probably don't take sin that seriously. Probably don't realize... Um, what Romans 2, 8 through 9 says, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. They probably don't understand that. They probably don't have that mindset because you'd think if they, if they really knew and believed in a wrath to come, that they would turn from that. They really believe that. But we, we have the light of the world. We have mercy and forgiveness found in Christ and the gospel. And we, we, we know that we have been washed. Our sins have been washed away. We, we, we have confidence moving forward in life. We, we have light, we have peace, we have joy. That, that, should make, that should promote urgency in us to go to those who are in darkness because they really don't know where they're going. They really don't. And so this is why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, and I would even say this to you guys right now as a congregation, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you, have mercy, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I, you guys need to understand the severity of sin. 
I'm gonna really, really dive into the, into the scriptures. A week ago, we heard preached that we need to view sin from the eyes of God. And that's this, it's the same with our loved ones. It's the same with our friends, with those in the workplace, all of the people walking in darkness who do not have Christ. Their sin has separated them from God. And we, we know that Christ is willing to take them in. We, we know that, that those who hear the truth will follow Christ. They will, they will come to him if they are God's chosen. They, they will leave, they will be taken out of darkness and into, marvelous, into a marvelous light and experience forgiveness. Guys, there's wrath and fury coming. That, that should promote urgency for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth. We want, we want to bring the truth to them so that they can obey. I hope this promotes urgency in you. A third quality of a disciple. This one's very simple. It's very basic. And it's not necessarily drawn from this passage, but it can be drawn out of sheer logic. A disciple has knowledge and is growing in it, specifically knowledge of Christ. A disciple has knowledge of Christ, of his word, and, and he's growing in it. He, she, the child, any, any disciple of Christ, they're growing in it. If you are called to disciple others, you're called to know the word. Because if discipling others means pointing them to Christ, telling them of Christ, helping them get committed to the mission of Christ, helping them be changed by the word through prayer, through the speaking of the word to them, you simply can't do that if you don't know anything. This is, it's important for us to, to be in the word, to, to daily, if we can, be in the word in order that we might be able to teach others. I mean, we might gloss over this, but at the end of Matthew, I'm gonna keep coming back to this verse. I'm sorry if it's a cliche verse for you, but, but Jesus said, go into all the world. And he says this, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. If you don't know what Christ has commanded you, you simply can't make disciples. He's commanded us to, to humble ourselves, to, to believe in Christ for salvation. And, and after that, he's commanded us to walk in his footsteps. And if we simply don't know what that looks like, you can't make disciples. And so I would encourage you guys that it's, oh, in light of this, I'm gonna move on to our, to my last point. It'll be a fourth quality, but it's okay to be in a place where you need, you know, you need to grow. Okay. A disciple has humility. Um, You heard it preached this morning, if you were here, that we, and I praise God for working this. I didn't know, I didn't see Pastor Tim prepare his sermon, but I had wrote a very similar point and when I prepared this, but it's being honest with your failures. Jesus said to this, he said to the disciples, and I will make you fishers of men. There's change to happen. The enemy, it's, he's very good at tricking you that when you see that there's a lot of change to happen, he's gonna bash you down. It's a great opportunity for the enemy to bash you down. He wants to tell you that you're, a screw up and you're a mess up and that's true, but he wants you to stay there. He wants you to 
be convinced that the fact that you need to grow means you're not doing something right. You're not, you're not an effective disciple. You're not really following God. But Jesus knows that we have room to grow. And he said, I will make you. So admitting our failures, admitting the areas that we need to grow is far, far better than being in a place where you're too prideful to do that and accept complacency. Okay? This is, I'm afraid many of us are here. We're not willing to admit the areas where we need to grow. We're not willing to admit how low our knowledge is of the scriptures. But understand there is utter grace for you. Admitting failures and being open with failures is a wonderful thing. It it shows how the grace of God is exemplified in our lives, how we are a people who live under grace, that I'm able to willingly admit my failures and admit how I fall short and how I don't understand this passage and how I don't know how to do this. Christ is calling us to grow in him. And so we ought to be humble. We ought to have humility. And part of humility is not depending on ourselves. Though we are totally responsible for for pursuing Christ and for working out our salvation and being committed to these things and, and following him, you know, there's an action there. Though we're totally responsible for doing these things, we have to be dependent on God. This is, I hope you understand the importance of prayer. If we, if we want to make disciples, we ought to be committed to prayer. We, this is the work of God for his glory. This is, this is the work of God. And we see this played out in Acts. In Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 6, verse 7. This is happening right after the the apostles said uh, they had pointed the deacons um, to, to do that, that ministry that they had been asked to do. And the, the apostles, they said this, we are going to devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. In Acts chapter six, verse seven, and the word of God continued to increase. See how it almost has a life of its own? And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. It's through committing ourselves to prayer and into the word, into the proclaiming of the word to each other that we'll see growth, that we'll see, we ought to be urgent about these things because it doesn't come about on our own. And Pastor Tim said this morning, referring to um, bearing each other's burdens and whatnot. He said that this was, this was God's plan for a healthy church. And I would say that God's plan for the discipleship and for the evangelizing of the world is that we proclaim the word of God, the gospel in much prayer, in much prayer. The, the spirit will work through that. This is... I would encourage you guys to get a book called The Trellis and the Vine. It'll walk through a lot of this. It'll help us learn these things. But God's plan for discipleship is disciples prayerfully speaking the word to one another. The gospel will increase and sinners will enter into the kingdom of Christ knowing a mercy 
and a grace that they hadn't known before. I mean, we were all heaping up wrath for ourselves when we had refused to repent. But, But we know, we know God's grace and this, this ought to be the work that we should be committed to as disciples. And just to share a quick story to show that this genuinely is a real thing going on in the world. Someone I've been discipling up at college, his name's Paul. He's a freshman up there. And he was very zealous for the Lord very zealous. And when I had met him, I began to talk to him. And I noticed how he, he was very zealous, but he didn't necessarily have a knowledge for God. He, he, didn't, he didn't necessarily have an, a zeal according to knowledge. You, you'll see that in the scriptures because he wasn't even able to tell me what the gospel was, but he, but he had a zeal. He wanted to serve God. And so through prayer and through the speaking of the word, I was able to, to sit down with him and to walk through the gospel, to walk through the glories of God's love for sinners, his undying, unfading love, and how, and how we're not saved when Titus 3 tells us this, that when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but because of his own mercy. And to be able to walk through him and tell him that this, was, this, this happened when Christ came 2,000 years ago and he died for our sins and he has secured for us the hope of eternal life by being raised from the dead. He's never going to die again. And Paul just last night texted me. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna be able to see him again after next week, but he lives, he's from Maine and just through prayerfully speaking the word to him, he, he had messaged me last night and he said, Cameron, before I leave, I wanna hear the gospel again. I wanna hear it one more time. And I thank God for his work. And I asked him what was going on. And he said, when I go back, I wanna have Christ in my heart. I wanna have Christ in my heart. in order that I may have the greatest effect among the people there, my family. You guys, we have a marvelous light. We really do. We don't deserve this. The disciples didn't deserve to have a life of their own, it was a gift. And Christ has called us to go into all the world to make a people for himself. And I will boldly say this, that our King deserves a people. He does. He has shown us mercy. We ought to proclaim his excellencies to a people. We ought to teach the word to one another. So please get over yourself. And if you need to grow, please come to people who can help you grow. And for those of you who are able to help people grow, who are committed to the mission of Christ, the mature people among you, take the opportunities God gives you to invest in other people. Take those opportunities. Your time is not worth more 
than the fishing of men. It's not. Your hobbies, though they're good things, they're not worth more than taking up opportunities to spread the gospel, to present other people mature in Christ so that they can go and make disciples because our king, he's building a kingdom and it's not gonna have an end. It's gonna be for eternity. And we want our loved ones and our friends and the lost to know that light. That's all I have, I'm gonna pray. Father, I thank you. God, I pray that you would be glorified and exalted in the hearts and lives of everyone here. God, for those of us here who are not saved, who have not placed our trust in Christ, please open their minds and their hearts to understand the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to save us not because of any works done by us in righteousness, but because of his own mercy. And if we would just trust that he died for our sins, that the penalty's been paid and that he raised from the dead and he, he is ruling right now and we are declared righteous through faith in him. God, I pray that you would help them understand how glorious that is, how it's far more valuable than any pleasure in this life. God, produce in us an urgency to take that message into all the world. Produce in us an urgency to preach that message to ourselves, to, to have humility and to seek growth and to seek teaching from others that we may present ourselves, that we may be mature and be able to teach others. God, help us. And I know that this cannot happen apart from your spirit. So please help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Cameron Bitzer from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.